Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to a bonus podcast here from Cracked Rackets. The reason we're calling it a bonus podcast because is it a mini break? Is it a great shot podcast? It's definitely not a Cracked Interviews podcast, but to be honest, at this point, I don't really f***ing care. As you listeners are all well aware, we are live here at the VTC in Ann Arbor. Myself and the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames who roots for the Liberty Flames, and I'm sure a guy who's like, stop f***ing saying that, Alex, I get the rhyme that's upcoming. Chris Halliors, who will be joining me all week long for our coverage as we do the play-by-play here in Ann Arbor. Chris, it's 11 o'clock at night. This is a Wednesday. This is usually club tennis practice time here at Michigan. Now you know what it's like. Welcome to Ann Arbor. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. I mean, I was hoping we'd be on court at this point, but, you know, it's a it's a busy center with the, every, all the action going on here, so we... Uh, we just got to watch a lot of tennis, call a lot of tennis tonight, and uh, it's it's been a great day. I'm not even kidding. This was the, the reason I was given is professional tennis trumps club tennis. And as the last University of Michigan's team to win a national title, tennis-related, yeah, I'm looking at you both varsity teams. You'd think they'd give us a little more respect at this point, and we did have a whole hitting session planned. I've got my kicks in the car. You've got your Mississippi State gear on. We would have been ready to go, unfortunately. We will not be playing tennis tonight. Instead, of course, on this bonus podcast, we will be talking about it. And what are we talking about? The event we are here for this week, Oracle Pro Series event in Ann Arbor, first challenger on the ATP 2020 calendar. And it's been a really fun event thus far. Today in particular, second round action, finishing that up. A lot of second round doubles matches as well. I believe that's the round of 16 to get our quarterfinals set there. And Chris, really fun day. I would say the narrative of the day, particularly on center court, three set battles, indoor tennis, you're going to see a lot of tiebreakers and that's what we got today. Yeah, you know, the Prior to today, we had seen some some matches that were definitely a little more one-sided, and we thought uh, thought and hoped anyway that uh, sooner sooner or later we would we would start getting some tight matches. And boy, did we ever start to get those tight matches today! I mean, we started things off first match of the day, a match that goes three set tiebreak 15-13. I mean, talk about a grind. No, it's literally we didn't have tennis for a month, which again, not that that's a long off season, but one month and it feels like after back to I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is what the slog is like." You're right. It starts out 7-6 in a third set. Uh there we had other three set matches throughout the day. A lot of really good tennis. So that's where I want to start. Let's run through these results, talk about our mo- most impressive, least per- impressive performers of the day. Uh, I think we got to start with that Roberto Sid match, the number four seed, a 6-7-6-2-7-6-15-13 winner over Velotti in the third set. We don't have to go too far into the depth of this match, breaking down the stats. Uh, there were only, I believe, in total 
uh, what, three breaks of serve. They all came from Roberto Sid in that third set. Outside of that, Sid, oh, sorry, excuse me, four breaks of serve. Sid broken once, uh, but other than that, uh, you know, four breaks total in what was otherwise an incredibly long match. And it speaks to the fact, Chris, I know these courts for indoor courts not particularly fast, but the serving we've seen has been, and it's been all about big serve, big plus one tennis. And Roberto Sid did a really good job of executing that until the match point he won, by the way, where Velotti flubbed what was a fairly easy backhand, backhand volley, and that was just clear nerves getting the better of him. Yeah, he was, yeah, he had already, I mean, at that point, he had, in that breaker, he had match points at, at Velotti, that is, had match points at 6 5, 7 6, 8 7, and either 9 8. 9-8 or 11-10. I mean, he had four of the first five match points in that breaker. Uh, uh, clearly, I'm guessing had been wearing on him that, oh my gosh, I haven't put this away yet. Uh, and then gets a, a nice high backhand volley that he just gets way too eager at. Hits it early, pulls it wide, and uh, and commences with a nice racket toss into the into the side. But, oh, uh, it was beautiful. We almost <laughs> had our first cracked racket of the day, which given that this pod doesn't have a name, we can call it the cracked rackets pod. That would have been great. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the other thing with that match is we've seen a lot of big hitting matches in terms of big hitting power, like lots of aces, lots of just, you know, you know, ser- either either the, the service winner or the serve plus one. But this was actually a long, they were long rallies. They were grinds, you know, not your typical indoor. Uh, but yet, even at that, the server still held most, you know, held most of the day. But it was just... You know, one of those first good long grind matches that I know you love to see. No, the only thing longer than the match itself was the amount of texts you were sending me during the match. I mean, just never-ending grind after grind after grind. But you're right. It it did make me tune in because you said it's grinding tennis. Let me check this out. And you're absolutely right. This became an incredibly physical match for Roberto Sid, another former college tennis guy, gets the win here. It's a testament to how high a level of play we've been seeing from all of these players, the parity between the number four seed here and, you know, a guy who came through in this draw, I think through qualifying in Velotti, and even if not, a guy who enters the tournament in Velotti, ranked number 380 to Sid's uh, 259. I mean, the gap between them, infinitesimal. And let's harp on this college tennis theme. It's something we've talked about a lot on our play-by-play stream, obviously being in Ann Arbor at the Michigan facilities, the intersection between college and this pro event too obvious and in fact our doubles nightcap was Evan King and Hunter Reese two doubles guys uh, taking on Sebi Corder and Christian Harrison but before that we had the all Michigan battle Fenty Seymour BD Johnston and you look at the singles winners today a lot of them with college tennis backgrounds moving through the list Sekou Pangora five of the eight yeah our number 15 seed here 7663 over Martin Redlicky who by the way all-american doubles champion at UCLA uh, Roberto Quiro of USC National Championship fame, 6-4, on our center court over a guy we got to call. I feel like Tobias Simon, Chris, because it was our first match, is always going to have a place near and dear in our hearts. But in this match, Simon, up to form 24 aces, doesn't get the job done. Kiro's too good, saves all three break points he faces on the day. He advanced to the next round as well. We also had Alexander Kovacevic, the wild card here from Illinois, made a semifinal to close out his 2019 at the challenger level follows that up here with a straight set win over the number five seed Ruben Bemelmans who goes the dreaded 0-2 here in singles and doubles Kovacevic knocking Bemelmans off 2-4 we don't have to do the Illinois thing for the third or fourth or maybe it's the seventh conversation in a row I feel like we must have hit this at least 12 times tonight Chris 
But it certainly speaks to the fact Kovacevic, the number one tennis player at one of the top programs, again, to keep harping on this point. College tennis players are really f***ing good right now. And, like, he is another one of those guys at the top where I don't care if it's Will Blumberg. I don't care if it's Oliver Crawford. I don't care who it is in college tennis. When you're playing Alex Kovacevic on the other side of the match, it's an either-or because he's as good as anyone right now. Yeah, I I mean, and we've got both, you know, two current guys in Kovacevic and McNally both both still going uh, here and and then former guys that you've already talked about and, and, a, and another one that uh, that won today that we haven't talked about yet in in Patrick Kipson uh, yeah I mean the these college guys are really really good and and you know when you're making semis of challengers and here he's into the round of 16 and still going uh, you know you're short of getting out into ATP 250s now you're playing with anybody that's you know top 400 in the world yeah, that's outside of the guys in the top 100 and you know and trust me they're beating them too just like you know we see JJ Wolf beating a couple top 100 guys now but but you're pl- with those guys that are in the 100 to 400 range they're you're beating that's, those guys absolutely look at Noah Rubin the two seed today a Wake Forest guy who was knocked out by the young 21 year old American Ulysses Blanche 7576 in our nightcap singles match on stadium court I mean yeah Blanche right now, I think, is right around 400 in the world, maybe a little bit in front of that. Ruben right around 200 in the world. And the gap, you know, if anything, Blanche had the bigger game, and it just speaks to how many talented players there are in that challenger range, as you mentioned, 100 to 400. Really matchup dependent is what decides those matches more than anything else. Just quickly, a side note for you, some college guys competing outside of Ann Arbor. Steve Johnson knocks off Bradley Klon in, I want to say, a 2010-2011 NCAA single semifinal rematch, 4-6. and six. Dominic Kopfer, who came on so strongly at the end from Tulane uh, inside the top 100. Now he's a 3-6-6-3-7-5 winner over Alex Bolt. Uh, one other college guy who I know we're both following closely, J.J. Wolf, who's currently playing in Numia. Just started. Just started down 15-30 in his first game there. He, of course, got his second top 100 win in the second round there, knocking off number two seed Roberto Carbeas-Bena. But to bring us back to Ann Arbor, another guy who... Do we want to do? Do we want to do Blanche? All right, let's knock out Kipson real f- fast with uh, Red Lakey because you talked about that. Red Lakey, the 14 seed here. Kipson three six six two six three. I don't want to talk about Mike Red Lakey. He doesn't deserve to be talked about on this podcast because his effort today after that first set was abhorrent. You know, there's a point five three. I think uh, Kipson wins the point for thirty fifteen on his serve. And, Red, and he lets out a little come on, and Red goes, dude, I gave you this match. And it's like, okay, instead of showing that little, sorry, I'm swearing it's late, um, but instead of showing that chivalry, like, how about instead you just try for the match? Like, it would have taken you less effort. It, it, it took you more effort to be an to not, you know, give maximum effort on the court than it would have taken you to just grind out a match after being up a set on Kips and so you know that's all in my opinion that he deserves to be said I, I don't know if you have anything else yeah, to say no, on Red I, well I think it, it it was it's a it's a tricky match there for Kipson I mean obviously Red Lickie's playing well the first set he takes the first set Kipson starts to turn it around he wins the second and then then that, that's where it gets tricky because when you get a guy that you know, and some people might say you're you're tanking. In his case, I don't know if I'd call it a, a tank as much as just not not so into it. And he's just slapping, and that's when it gets you know you get a guy dangerous that 
doesn't you know doesn't care anymore and he's just hitting the ball i mean he could slap winners and find himself you know and you, it's like playing a guy injured you're not exactly sure what to do there kipson handled it really really well i tell you, i mean he his backhand looked phenomenal to me today he was just lacing cross and it was court. the variety with the backhand too using the slice as well buying himself time throwing the lefty red licky off rhythm with it i agree yeah yeah i mean he he looked great so i think it'll it, I, i'd love to see and i haven't even looked into the draw to see who he's got next but i'd love to see his his next match because he looked phenomenal and, and a guy that we haven't seen a lot of recently because of injury so uh, I'm, mm. you want to know who he plays next a really fun one Kipson versus Ulysses Blanche oh that's wow. gonna be a really good match two young 21 and under Americans facing off on the bottom part of the draw in this round of 16 introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com we have a really fun group of matches in that round of 16 and we'll talk about them in a second but just to get through the rest of the day's results again we've talked about all of the college guys there were some non-college tennis players here Serdorusic a loser last night in doubles but the number nine seed in singles knocks off Calvin Hemry after he retires down 1-3 in the first set uh, Daniel Elt- Eltmeyer, the number 10 seed, knocks out Abidzba, 6-4, 6-7, 6-3. And then, as we mentioned, Ulysses Blanche, unseeded in this, but shows off the talent he has. The serve plus forehand combination, too big against Rubin. Blanche wins, uh, hits 15 aces, goes 35 of 41 on first serve points to get that 7-5, 7-6 win. Let's start with him. Uh, because this is a guy last year who played both Futures and Challengers, made a final, but it was at the Futures level. I think it was three challenge, or two Challenger quarterfinals and one Futures quarterfinal to his resume, but really sort of plateaued after a breakthrough 2018 in 2019. And yet, of all the guys we've called, and we've seen Bjorn Fratangelo at the number one seed here, J.C. Aragoni, who's been in the top 300, the firepower Blanche possessed, just that serve, that forehand, that's a, it, it was a dominant performance from Blanche today, and a really close scoreline. Ruben pushed him as much as he could, but the physical gifts of Blanche really shone through. You know, they shine through, and this is a guy who I, I mean, if he's able to stay healthy, there's no reason he can't find himself inside that top 200 at this time next year in Australia playing qualies for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a mystery you watch a match like this and granted I so I've now seen him play a grand total of one match but I watch this one match and I go how why why is this where he's at now granted it's indoors granted you know he's he's hitting big maybe he played really well maybe it was a beneficial matchup for him because he got somebody in Noah Rubin who's you know he had the bigger game and more power Rubin is a, is great defensively he's a great counter puncher but maybe that played to his his strength but whatever it was you add all those things up and he just looked outstanding I mean his the the power that he's got not just on the serve not just on the forehand on the backhand as well his movement he's very fast he's got everything there it's all I can imagine is that you know which we didn't see tonight but it must be the case that he can't put it together consistently uh he was able to this evening but maybe that's maybe that's the issue but 
he's, he's got the complete package. You can see why a player like him didn't feel the need to go to college, because while we may argue that he would have had a chance to refine his tools there, work on his consistency, something, I mean, he did have streaks of errors, you know, Ruben did serve for that second set at 5-3, there was, of course, that tremendously impactful call at 15-30 in the first game that we both remember so well that got Blanche offset from the beginning, that's a little inside joke for those of you who watched the live stream, and again, please go do, uh, let us know what you think of Chris and my performance, but... Yeah, I mean, the talent screamed through. This guy looked so good today. The forehand, when it was clicking, it didn't matter if it was on the run. He was also taking backhand returns on the rise that looked good. Five feet backhand. Base, yeah. ten feet behind. It didn't matter where The only thing was. we didn't see was volleying, right? He didn't hit many volleys today, or at least he only hit the obvious volleys. He didn't hit him. He wasn't working towards the net. Didn't, didn't, yeah, it wasn't part of the game plan, clearly, to try to approach the net. And, in fact, the... The one that he he threw in a second serve, <laughs> serve and volley there. That I, well, I thought, well, wow, where did that come from? That's not, uh, and then uh, missed the volley long. But uh, yeah, he de- that was not part of the game plan. So I'm gonna, you know, I would surmise that that's not really his game. Although, you know, for a power guy like he is, you would think that's something that he would probably want to have in in the bailiwick. But uh, you know, it's he he looked superb. And just on the Ruben side, the number two seed here, obviously upset, and he is coming off of that Numea Challenger final, so he's going to lose a bunch of points before heading to Australia. But, you know, coming off of injury for him, first match since October, I don't think Noah Rubin looked particularly bad. Again, indoor tennis is never when he's going to look his best, and in fact, you know, that NCAA singles final, he's beating Ryan Shane until they have to go indoors at Baylor, one of the fun facts of that match, but... I thought he looked fine. I thought he did as much scrapping as he could. I thought physically he he tried to impose himself in the match. He tried to make, you know, force Blanche into hitting that extra ball. And again, he he holds serve in that second set for 5-3, makes it 6-3. The way Blanche, where he was mentally, it's a whole different ball game in that third set because it was clear Ruben had begun to crack him. That being said, once you got to the tiebreaker... Blanche has a way of winning free points easily. Ruben did not, and that's why we were both fairly confident that Blanche was going to take it in straight sets once it got to that point in the match. Yeah, that tie. I mean, getting to a tiebreak the way Blanche was serving was going to be tough to win. Uh, and it, yeah, Ruben, like you said, I, he didn't look bad. I don't. I don't think there was anything that looked bad about him. Uh, it was just, you know, it could have just been the matchup. Or and, and I'm going to guess that to, you know, if you ask him, he would probably say, yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel that great. I didn't play that well. But, you know, Blanche didn't give him a chance to play that well. He was he was counterpunching the entire match, chasing everything down. He certainly showed he can still move just as good as he as he did when he was before he took the his break. Uh, but yeah, it was I mean, he just got overpowered. I would completely agree with you and by the way, again, we apologize for the background noise, courtesy of the VTC speakers. At least they're jamming some good songs, although for copyright reasons, let's be clear, this is not our fault, this is their fault. So if you have any complaints, band of this song, uh, lodge them with the Varsity Tennis Center in Ann Arbor, please, not with our Crack Rackets Enterprise. We may have our first play-by-play gig, but a lawsuit like that definitely shuts us down at this point. Uh, but yeah, well, you know, for no Ruben rocking the behind the racket gear, that part looked good. Off the court, we we had the chance to talk to him. He certainly seems content with where he's at mental, but you know, again, tough matchup for him. Probably not the way he wanted to start or envisioned starting his season. But I think 
we're going to see plenty of good tennis from both of those guys later on in the year. Uh, I'll quickly run through the doubles results, and then we can get to the home stretch. In doubles, Fenty and Seymour are all Michigan battle. They knock out Beattie and Johnston 2-5 and five in a match we called. King and Reese, the number one seed, straight sets over Harrison and Corda. Barrientos and Gomez knock out Hidalgo and Red Licky 6-7, 7-6, 10-4. and Kiros, same thing over Glasspool and Lawson, 6-7, 7-6, 10-7. And that sets up a really fun uh, day four. Now, before we get to that, just to put a bow on day three, Chris, your top performer and best match of the day go to? Uh, it's got to be Ulysses Blanche. I mean, that was just... He was so good. That was just crazy good. I mean, yeah, I, I don't... It's not something that I certainly expected. I hadn't seen him play, I but... Think, I think uh, Kova gets a shout-out, right? Because oh, straight sets over Bemelmans. Four and two over Bemelmans, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I guess, and probably the only reason for me to... to, to You're anti-me. No, is to say because I was here. Yeah, I, that's I, true. The, the Kova match, I wasn't, we weren't here for. I didn't get to see. I got to see Blanche in person. But uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really hoping that uh, that that Kova's next match is uh, lines up with our schedule and that we get to call it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that I mean, that was a super. In fact, as soon as that match ended, I had tweeted that result out. That was, I mean, really impressive win over Bemelmans, who's a who's a top 300 guy, uh, and to beat him, you know, two and four. Uh, that's hats off agree with you and uh, if you're going to go with Blanche I'll give mine to Kova simply because after his match we saw him hop right back on the practice court and that's what champions do I mean I remember a couple years ago I saw Caroline Dalahide doing that same thing at Cincinnati and FAA and all of those guys they, they like to get their swings in and there are things even in a win that you can always improve on afterwards so He's my performer of the day, match of the day. I have to give to uh, Roberto Sid and Velotti just because physically you could tell how nervous and just how dug in they both were at the end of that match. Although, again, a lot of third set breakers today, a lot of good third set breakers throughout the week. That is half the fun of indoor tennis is how much holding of serve there are, uh, there is. But, um, again, with that in mind, uh, you look at, again, for tomorrow... Uh, we've had our, you know, we've set up now. I think we are at the round of 16 for the men's singles, and now uh, some round of 16 or maybe quarterfinal action for the men's doubles. Let's preview that before we wrap today's podcast. Or any final thoughts for you from day two? No, or day the, three. The only other match I was going to mention was that uh, was the Tobias Simon Roberto Quiros match. Sure. You know, we're we're looking at a lot of these stats uh, from the in, d- indoors to see how well the guys are serving, and and we're seeing in general. Uh, most of the guys hovering around even, you know, 50-ish percent win on the second serve points. You know, some of the winners fare a little better. Most of the losers fare a little worse. But those, you know, we were, you and I both had kind of looked toward that that Simon Kiros match as big, big serving tennis. And boy, not only did those guys hold their, I, I think I texted there, there maybe were, you know, very few break points. I can't remember exactly how how many. Uh, there were four, break, five break points in the entire match. And that's, uh, by the way, a match that has uh, forty six games in it. Or sorry, thirty six games in it. That's and, a long match. And and both of them, and they hold second serve points. One at one of them at at, at uh, Simon at sixty five percent, and Kiro's at seventy six percent. He's winning seventy six percent of his yeah, second serves. He's playing Simon. Like I love Tobias. I don't love him. We've seen him play twice, but like 
you see yeah. anything that indicates from yeah. him that he's a good well, player? Yeah, may not be may not be the the best returner in the world. Yeah, he's, I mean, there's a reason you're ranked 400, yeah. but um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, but Kiros, we know, is good. And Simon, who we saw with a big serve, still winning 65% of his second serves. I mean, just some crazy... I mean, they they really... They were kind of... They're the quintessential indoor... What you expect to see indoors. Big serves, big serve plus one, holding well, you know, very few break points. Uh, uh, just a... That, in contrast with that Velotti match, yeah. we, got, we got two great third-set breakers... But two completely different kinds of matches. And all on center court as well. And that leads us to a really fun day four that we're going to preview now. You look at the schedule, Chris, and unfortunately it'll be unclear if we're going to be able to get here early enough to call the singles action. But there's a lot of, ooh, yes we are. Guess what the night match is tomorrow? Kipson Blanche after the doubles. Oh. I love it. <laughs> Such I great news. It. I want you to know that it was a live reaction from Chris. Wow. Neither of us knew that before. No, I thought all the singles high five? were done yes. before before yes. the evening. So we've got one night singles match. West off, leave it all in. But yes, even with the Krogerad going off in the background, this is huge yeah. for the two of us. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, let's Yes, because go. we were thinking, oh, we got it. Doubles. I we, love Huey, but again. We were thinking the Nakashima match we got to get to because everything else is done then before yeah. the night but oh it's Kip, oh Kipson and Let's Blanche go. what a match and hopefully that Nakashima Kozlov match which mmm tasty we talked about it oh. yesterday that's the one that kicks us off on court one at 11 a.m. you and I will both be at work when that happens but I mean you've got that in the morning that's really fun Aragoni Gurch two college guys right after that Fratangelo McNally after that then you've got Bellucci Sakamoto versus Galloway and Hans our three seeds in doubles Huey Lamons versus Fenty Seamarns, Kipson and Blanche, as we mentioned, the nightcap. Then on our other stadium court, Sakamoto versus Lashem in singles, Sid versus Bangora, Serdorusic versus Kiroz, Kovacevic versus Altmaier, and then of course Kozlov, Lovett, Aragoni, Bangora. That's four college tennis players. And then King Reese versus Barrientos Gomez in the nightcap on court two. Again, pick one match and maybe one player in particular you're going to be watching most closely tomorrow, Chris. Outside of the ones we're obviously calling. Yeah, well, I can't wait for a Kipson and uh, and Blanche. That is that's outstanding. I, I think Rachel Cage and Chris pulled that one out for us. Oh. What a nice man! Wow, the last match on. So so outside of those matches, I mean, I know. You're going with the impending grind fest between Nakashima I'm not and Kozlov. Any work done? Like, I feel so you're, bad for my you'll boss. Be glued who will not to a, be named, but he or she—emphasis on she—will not be happy. That's a two-hour and forty-five-minute grind right there. Uh, it, it provided you know that it stays competitive. Uh, but uh, I will, I will say, uh, I, I kind of like watching some of the. You know, even though they're much shorter points, if they're close, I like seeing some of the classic indoor tennis. And so, I, I think for me, maybe even that that Sedarusic Kiros match. I mean, uh, again, we'll get two two guys that can hit big, um, and you know, we'll see how many aces they can bang out, and see if we we get another you know thirty or forty ace guy to lose a match here. But uh, that'll be a good one. And and 
you know, the second to last match on court two, if we're if we're lucky enough that I think uh, we won't get to call, but we'll certainly get to keep an eye on, will be Kova playing Daniel Altmaier. Uh, and and I haven't gotten to see him. We saw him practicing after the match tonight. We didn't. We weren't here for his match. So I'll I'll, I'll I'm hoping that that one uh, runs late enough that that we can make it here for that. Uh, I think those those two outside of the match that we'll get to call with Kipson and Blanche will be the ones I'm looking for. Okay. I agree with you. A lot of good tennis tomorrow, but let me do my two seconds on, on Kozlov Nakashima now. And again, for you listeners, 11.24 p.m. Eastern time. They're cleaning up the Varsity Tennis Center here. I'm pretty sure they're about to throw me out along with all the trash bags as well, but my trophy's in the case here, so I'm going to take two more minutes to talk about I this match. Yeah, exactly. True. It's proof that it exists. You think I was making it up all this time. You've seen it now. You saw the trophy. Let it be clear. And we're calling Gibson at night. Let's go. I cannot tell you listeners how excited I am. But the match I am most excited for, Stefan Kozlov versus Brandon Nakashima here. Both of them unseated coming into this match. Nakashima, the 18-year-old, uh, comes into the week number 364. Kozlov, the 21-year-old, and we had a debate tonight, 96s, 97s, 98s, American men-wise, which are better. And I think after watching that Blanche match, Chris, I know Kozlov, uh, I know uh, Paul... Opelka and Fritz is a really compelling group of 97s, but between Tiafo, Moe, Wolf, Blanche, Kozlov, um, forgetting one more who I mentioned at the time, this is a really talented group of 1998s, and that Brandon Nakashima is three years younger than that. I think he's a 2000, he must be a 2000 birthday, uh, 2001 birthday because he turns 19 this year, which crazy that he was born. My little brother was born in 02. Um, not that that means anything to you listeners, but but he's not a year away from being Brandon Nakashima. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you're asking me if I think he's going to get into a university better than Virginia, maybe. Um, but that's a, that's a personal topic. But for this matchup, talk about two guys who are just in completely different places career-wise. Kozlov, trying to, he was Brandon Nakashima at one point. He didn't even need a semester in college. He, two-time slam finalist, Kalamazoo finalist, made, you know, was, I think, 16 years old when he made his first challenger final. Uh, I've called him before the best 12-year-old I've ever seen play tennis. This is a big moment for him. It's a big start to his year. He gets two easy wins, upsets the sixth seed in his second round match here. And now he's going to pl- play a guy in Brandon Nakashima who really hasn't done much losing on the pro circuit thus far. Has had a lot of success at the challenger level. Did last summer and last winter to close out the year. Has obviously come out here to good wins under his belt now heading into this Kozlov match. And the scary thing is Kozlov doesn't really have a weapon to hurt Nakashima, so you think Brandon, who's incredibly confident at this point, is going to be playing the match on his terms. All signs point to a Nakashima win, because I just, again, am not sure how Stefan Kozlov is going to hurt him on a point-by-point basis, and yet, Chris... Kozlov comes out of this event with, let's say, a semifinal, a final... I'm going to hop right back on the bandwagon. One of my new decade resolutions, and I joked about it with Ben Rothenberg on our GSP Next Gen Best of the Decade, is I was giving up Stefan Kozlov. And he's having this tournament in my face to just to just tease me, to be like, you're going to give me up? Really? Well, watch this. I'm going to go win the challenger. Okay. In, in all fairness to, to Stefan Kozlov, name one player. Name, name one player that he would play where you would tell me that he was going to dictate the match. 
Well, tell me. Um, He's never going to dictate well, the Well, he does, though, in his own way, right? Because he makes it so disgusting with the chips and the off-speed nonsense that you just get uncomfortable. So while, you know, I think Mike Cation, who we're replacing this week, affectionately refers to it as Cosball, right? He just plays his funky style. And it's not like Nakashima's going to blow him off the court. It's not like Nakashima hits the ball that big. But the relentlessness of Nakashima, he has the patience factor needed when you play someone like Steph. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll give you that. I just think that it's still, I mean, Kozlov's still going to play his game, and, and it may or may not be up to Nakashima as to, you know, as to whether the, the, you know, the match is on his racket or not. I mean, Kozlov could still manage to get him off his game, you know, being Brandon's game, and into into Kozlov's game and and you never know. I mean, but that's that's exa- that's why you want to see the match. You want to see you want to see the Kozlov junk. I mean, the that his junk versus Nakashima's game and see what comes out. It's going to it'll be a very interesting match. Absolutely. We are so excited for that. But as you can hear in the background, drops of Jupiter playing, which it has to be the VTC's way of saying Alex Chris enough. Uh, so we're, we'll wrap here. We mentioned all of the day four matches. They're all going to be very excited, and I know we are both excited again to be on the play-by-play call and for all of our coverage of the Oracle Pro Series. And by the way, shout-out to our friends at Top Notch Management. Shout-out to our friends at Oracle, at UTR, for putting on this fantastic event. Uh, be sure to check out our social media for those streams when Chris and I go live on Livestream.com backslash ATP. We're going to be here all week, so we've got, a few again, a few more days of this coverage. We'll try and do nightly recaps as well as college contenders. Uh, Wake Forest edition should be coming out tomorrow. We know there's ATP Cup. There's Doha for the ATP side. There's three WTA events. Pro tennis officially underway, and, you know, there's no, like, soft intro. They come When tennis comes back, it comes back hard. Five ATP WTA-level events plus all of the other stuff going on, and a college season to be ready for. So we at Cracked Rackets will be kept busy the whole way long, obviously. Uh, again, for this podcast, Cracked Interviews podcast. I don't know what this one's going to be released as, but for the three Cracked Interviews, many break great shot podcast check out our website crackedrackets.com shout out as always to the super producers max fligner and daniel westoff we said no two podcasts is not tonight uh, is not enough tonight f- you guys we're giving you a bonus pot and so of course with uh f- you comes in a, f- a job to do uh, just try and drop as many f-bombs as possible down this home stretch here uh, a little three time action for you down the home stretch so three quacks for you listeners as we end it again shout out to those guys because they're the man but uh with that in mind chris any final thoughts as as we head into day four no, I had you, you gave me the gift of the night there, Gruskin. We get to call Kipson Blanche tomorrow. That's my. That's it. Seriously, I'm, I'm pumped. We had talks like we're like, so do we quit tomorrow so we can come for Kozlov and Nakashima? I'm, you know, you have kids at this. You're you're ready to retire, but not really. Like I'm 24, so I'm going to take a risk. The time is now, and we don't have to do that anymore because we get Kipson Blanche, so we get to keep our day jobs for one more day. Again, shout out to our friends at Top Notch and Oracle for all they've done with help to in this event. Shout out to my co-host Chris Halioris. It's 11:31. This is like the seventh thing we've recorded tonight and you stuck with it and you, you got Mr. Spots. Let me ask you that. My favorite place every game day Saturday during my college time, Mr. Spots. I'd get a 10-inch sub and six uh, half dozen boneless uh, original hot sauce wings. That was my order. What'd you think? Uh, outstanding. And I'll give it, if I... 
pick between the two, I'll take the wings a little a little better. But uh, oh, and I mean the hot sauce on those was was outstanding. See, I mean, the, perfect. The, the problem was we were mid match when we were doing it. Hopefully, you listeners couldn't tell. The cheesesteak did get soggy at the end, but when it's just a little less soggy and you're a little more drunk, <laughs> it is so delicious. That now that may not mix with calling the match. <laughs> I don't know. We'll save it for the final. Of course, we may never see the Cation Station again. <laughs> Or there will be puke all over the Cation <laughs> station. But uh, for, again, Chris Haliorson, all he's done. For our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel West. Uh, from everyone here at the Varsity Tennis Center in Ann Arbor. And from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. And that's a bonus podcast for you. We hope you all enjoyed it, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>